It's time for episode 144 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and our special guest is Larry Hanskin, the broadcasting voice of the University of Dayton Flyers and the host of Miami Valley's Morning News on WHIO Radio. We're talking Flyers, 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 and this high-flying episode of the local Sunday Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. This is a weekly podcast covering all sports in Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio. From Lima to the Ohio River and Northern Kentucky, from Eastern Indiana to Madison County and all points in between, this is your source of local Cincinnati and Dayton, Ohio sports. Visit the LeeWMowen.com slash podcast to find your favorite podcasting platform. Music created with the Splash app. Time for another episode with your host, Lee W. Mowen. This is episode 144, and I'm very happy to have aboard Larry Hanskin. You might know Larry from the Dayton Flyers or WHIO Radio. Larry, good morning, and it's a pleasure to have you aboard. Hey, good morning, uh, Lee. Good, it's good to be speaking with you. So, Larry, let's begin. Where are you originally from? Uh, originally from Columbus. Uh, went to Northland High School, graduated from there in 1975, and then went up to Bowling Green State University, graduated from there in 1979. So how did you wind up from Columbus and Bowling Green to down here in Dayton, Ohio? Well, initially, um, I, I was working at a radio station uh, in Newark, Ohio, part-time. Uh, moved back in with my parents and was working full time at a sporting goods store and just working Sunday mornings at a at a newark radio station you know obviously trying to find full time work and i uh was kind of frustrated and and so um someone came in the sporting goods store and said hey you know i I help out with uh, sports at this Johnstown radio station, which is just northeast of Columbus and uh they're probably looking for someone and uh so he gave me the guy's number and I called him up and and he said, yeah, we'd love to have you. So uh, I turned in my notice at, at Brian and the guy there said, well, I didn't know you were interested in doing stuff like that. He goes, I went to college with a guy at OU who, uh, uh, rather, he was in, this was in Newark. He, he works, his college buddy lives in Brian. And um, he goes, they, they seems like they do a lot of stuff. You ought to give him a call. So I was getting ready uh, to head out the door um, for my training at the uh, radio station at Johnstown. And on a whim, I, I gave the uh, call up to Brian. And it just so happened that the program director and the general manager were sitting down having a meeting and saying, man, we're in a bind. We need to find someone that can, you know, do an air shift and can also do some sports and, and then, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe ha- you know, have a couple of sales accounts and just need, you know, someone that can do a lot of things. And a phone rang and it was me. So they they said, uh, we'd love to talk to you. How soon can you be here? I go, I'll jump in the car now. So I called the Johnstown station. I actually quit a job before I even began it. And uh, uh, got, you know, got the job in Bryan and was there for about, uh, about a year and four months and was trying to, you know, move up into a larger market and, um, you know, saw the WHIO was a, you know, ratings giant uh, in Dayton and, um, you know, kind of made a, a paint a best of myself and got hired for an overnight shift. 
um, you know, making one hundred seventy five dollars a week. And and uh, at, well, they offered me one seventy five. I held out for two fifteen because that's what I was making in Brian. And I said, come on, I, I can't go backwards. And um, yeah, I did that for, gosh, uh, really all of a month. And then uh, part of my job was to wake up the guy who was the morning show producer. And after a while, I mean, it would take several calls to do that. And after a while, the management said, well, we have the guy that's waking him up, take over that job. I did that. Then I started doing the sports casts. And then uh, a year later, um, had the opportunity uh, to start calling the Flyers games, but it wasn't as simple as that. So tell me, how did you wind up as the voice of the Flyers? And what was your first season like? Well, first season was the 82-83 season. Um, and in and it would have been August of 82, uh, Chris Harris, who had played at Dayton, had worked uh, alongside Bucky for 10 years, uh, was relocating uh, to Seattle uh, in the insurance business. And so that created an opening and I raised my hand and said, well, I'd really love to do this. And uh, my boss at the time, Ron Kempf, uh, said, yeah, I, I think you'd do a good job. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, Tom Frerichs, who was the athletic director at the time, just said, no way. <laughs> no way are we going to hand the keys to the car over to, uh, uh, to, to some kid who's you know, got very, very little experience. So um, I, you know, they, they were all set to go with Marty Brenneman um, as, as, as their, uh, as their, their broadcast, uh, voice. Um, but Marty just couldn't, he just couldn't commit because of red spring training obligations. So they came back to me and they said, okay, well, let, let's see what you sound like. And so, uh, Bucky and I went into what was then a storage room. What's now part of the you know, I think it's a luxury box <laughs> um, at, at the arena. And um, w during the, 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 the preseason practices, and this is October now, um, you know, while the team was scrimmaging, if they would scrimmage, then we would do uh, a fake play-by-play -play of, of, of what we saw, you know, out there, out there on the floor. And um, turned in the tape to Mr. Frericks, and he said, okay, uh, I'd like to hear one more, though. And so we did another, and he said, okay, kid, you got it. And um, to, to his credit, um, you know, as, as much trepidation as he had about me doing it, I don't think I ever had a bigger supporter thereafter. Uh, and he, he would give me good critical uh, feedback because he would, when even a home game, he would not be in the seating bowl. He would sit up in that same dusty storeroom. And while he was watching the game, he was listening to the broadcast and he'd have a big uh, legal pad and he would be constantly making notes and you know he was a guy that really hit home to me about you know scoring time scoring time um, you know that's the most important thing it's the next most important thing and it's the third most important thing you know in a broadcast you know anything else you have to say is really superfluous I never knew that about Marty Brenneman. He's one of my favorite baseball broadcasters, and I know he did some college basketball, but I never knew he was in line to do UD. Yeah, yeah. And uh, fortunately, he, uh, he, I'm glad he said no. <laughs> exactly. Now, what's changed from the 82-83 UD season to today in terms of broadcasting, the campus, your job? What's all changed? 
Well, I mean, the things that have changed um, uh, would be just the, um, you know, the technical aspects in which you got on the air. Uh, and at that time, you know, we were relied, you know, we relied strictly upon, you know, a telephone line, and we traveled with an engineer, and and uh, it was a great guy named Dick Johnson, and then Ron Geyer followed him, and these guys were just absolute wizards of fighting through the vagaries of of telephone companies at the time, and and being able to always get our broadcast on the air without fail. Uh, so that kind of jumps out at you, I mean, because now it, it's. Um, you know, we, we just use Ethernet connection. We, we use an Internet connection and it's, uh, you know, it's proven to be very reliable and uh, and almost idiot proof because we no longer travel as an engineer. So so I have to do that. Um, you know, obviously, the travel is uh, has become, uh, you know, the, this is a Dayton team now that the, the charters everywhere. The only time they take a commercial flight is, you know, to go to someplace like Maui. Um, uh, took a commercial flight out to no we didn't I think you know, we chartered out to Arizona even so um, it's you know it, it, it's a um, um, you know a, a high is high it was high end travel back then when I first started in the 80s I mean we always stayed at very nice hotels but you know it was strictly commercial flights and so you know if you played a game in Chicago on a Saturday night you know you weren't going to fly out until Sunday afternoon so um you know that's a big change and then uh, obviously you know i i started off you know the first uh, couple seasons i broadcast there was no shot clock there was no three-point line um think of how those have changed the game of college basketball but um i don't know like me and you know coaches players fans everyone we've all adapted to it and i think sometimes you have to sit back and and really look back to think about how much change has actually actually happened and you mentioned no shot clock or three-point line either. And back then, there was that tartan floor as well, which had to be removed for the newest renovation, UD Arena, which yeah. I, always, I always love seeing those pictures when it's time for first four and seeing that floor just underneath and the history on that. Well, if, if, if Coach Donaher called out Bama, that meant that they were essentially going to go to UD's version of a uh, – four corners dean smith type of offense at north carolina you know and they would just hold the ball you know if you had a lead you know just hold the ball you didn't have to take a shot you, you could hold it for two three four minutes if you wanted there's been a lot of great games a lot of great players and coaches that went through ud in your time who are some of your favorites that you've gotten to work with well you know um i i think i got spoiled right away in that uh, the, the second uh, season uh, was that I worked was the eighty three eighty four season where uh, they made that elite eight run, uh, beating LSU, Oklahoma, Washington, and then falling out at Pauley Pavilion in the West Coast uh, regional finals to uh, eventual national champion Georgetown. You had Roosevelt Chapman, the all time leading scorer uh, in in UD history on that team, and you had Hall of Fame players like Ed Young and, and Damon Goodwin on that team. And Anthony Grant was a freshman that barely saw the floor that year. So, you know, that 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 team, um, you know, collectively, another Hall of Famer on that team was Cedric Tony. Um, Cedric was one of my all time favorite competitors. Um, but then, you know, you, you, you know, you move forward and, you know, a guy like Nigel Knight was so talented in his senior year, had about as good a year as any 
individuals had for 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 a season as a flyer um ryan perriman pound per pound the best rebounder i've ever seen um you know great com- a great competitor as well brian roberts uh, maybe the best uh, shooter slash score um that i've seen a look at the you know devin oliver um most charismatic player um and 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 you go to the uh, the team that went to four straight ncaa tournaments uh, that trio of scoochie smith uh, kyle davis and kendall pollard i almost treat them as one individual because i, I don't think you could separate them from each other because they had such a collective impact and then oh my gosh maybe they saved the best for last and you know obi toppin I, I said i said to coach grant i said i think obi might be more popular than roosevelt and he wasn't ready to concede that but uh i mean consensus player of the year in the nation just absolutely put on a show and you gotta you know you know he's he's jam and then you got peanut butter uh first team all conference guard and jalen crutcher you know i don't have to comb through my memory banks to find great players in flyer history all i gotta do is think back about last season and you mentioned Obi, and you mentioned Jalen Crutcher, too, because the NBA draft is right around the corner, and it's looking like those Flyers might be drafted. And what's your thoughts? Well, I, I, I think um, I think it's pretty clear that uh, Jalen is doing what Obi did last year, that is test the waters um, to get feedback. And unfortunately, he's not going to have the opportunity to go work out in front of teams and get that hands-on type of thing that – uh, that Obi was able to get, and then you know bring that back um, to you know have the incredible year he had this year. So um, I, I fully uh, I, I would be shocked if Jalen uh, kept his name in and that he did not come back for his senior year. Obi, it's not a question of if; it's just you know how high is he going to go, and, and I think he'll be a lottery pick. I think so too. I mean. How electric were those dunks and the play of Obi Toppin or this this squad? How special was this season to UD fans? Well, they they just they had such joy in in each other's success, and that is something that I will remember them for um, more than anything. It was was the joy uh, with which they played the game. And, and the fact that they really, really, really um, just, you know, enjoyed the heck out of each other's success. It was, you know, they would share the ball so well. Um, and it was not, you know, it was genuine. It, it was not a uh, nothing contrived. It, it was their DNA. Um, you know, I, I think at times they, they were surprised that people commented how unselfish they were because to them, it's just what they did you know they're like well how else would i play and and that was really cool it's just great to see dayton have that much success and just two overtime losses on the season to colorado and kansas on neutral courts and run rampant through the a10 i mean that's that's a very special flyer team but we got to see yeah and and you know the a10 um had some pretty I mean, there was some solid competition there. I think uh, that if all is said and done, come Selection Sunday, had there been a Selection Sunday, um, I, I think we would have seen uh, at least three teams in. Uh, I, th- I think St. Louis was a NCAA caliber tournament team. 
Uh, I think Richmond was. Obviously, the Dayton Flyers were. And uh, Rhode Island maybe could have uh, stolen uh, the automatic. But even their at-large resume wasn't too bad. And you know what? I, I, you know, uh, you, you know, these teams all had, quote, uh, losses that hurt their NCAA stock. Well, they were to the Dayton Flyers. You know, St. Louis loses twice to Dayton. What would their record look like? Same for Rhode Island. You know, Richmond had a phenomenal year. They get beat at home by Dayton. I don't think that would have been held against them. No, I mean, that's... What would that be now? The quad one loss? Yeah, yeah. Now, let's talk about the heartbreak of the ending because the Flyers not only didn't get a taste of March Madness, but there was no A-10 tournament. How much do you think that the coronavirus really hurt the fans around here? Well, I, you know, it, it's it's going to leave players, coaches, fans, everyone um, wondering what if. Um, you know, just because it, it, you know, there was a sense of, uh, there was a lack of closure, if you will, after all was said and done. And, um, you know, but, but at the same time, I, I think it was good that um, the final regular season game, um, it, it was such a, it was such a, a, a celebration. It was such a, a, a celebration because, um, you know, they were able to cut down the nets and, 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 and all that, you know, all that. And, you know, the seniors spoke and coach Grant uh, spoke and after game day had been there, uh, it, it really had a, um, I don't know. It, it, it was a championship celebration. So I'm very, 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 very glad that happened. You mentioned earlier that you got to see Anthony Grant play with the Flyers. How special is it to you and Flyer fans that a former player is now leading the team as the head coach? Well, I think I think what what it, it what it means is that I think that obviously. Uh, not that any other coach could not, um, you know, sell uh, the uh, attributes of the University of Dayton. Uh, but obviously, Anthony can speak with a, a great deal of authority uh, on that subject. You know, having uh, you know having having played here, having having seen what it what you know what it what it did for his life. You know that uh, he was able to. You know, be who he is, uh, thanks to the, you know, the lessons that he he learned at the University of Dayton. Now let's talk about someone that just got drafted from basketball to football. Adam Troutman got drafted by the New Orleans Saints in the third round this past weekend. What are your thoughts about this? Well, I you know, I, I knew, you know, I knew his draft stock. I knew he was a draftable player last year. Uh, he, he started to get some attention um, initially because of some scouts were coming around to see punter, uh, punter Sean Smith. And obviously Adam had the size. Okay. And so, you know, th- there's been some great Dayton football players through the years, but oftentimes their size or the lack thereof or their speed, the lack thereof, they just don't translate to the next level. Uh, but Adam didn't have that obstacle he had the size i mean he looked like an nfl tight end and then once the scouts came around and and looked at him 
uh, and saw the way in which, you know, he, you know, he just, he just caught everything. And, um, you know, the way he practiced, you know, what kind of teammate he was. I mean, he was the uh, first time maybe in the history of Dayton football, he was a unanimous team captain. I mean, every single player voted for him. Um, and, and I can remember when he was uh, a redshirt freshman and was scout team player of the year at the end of that year, uh, Coach Chamberlain said to me, hey, you got to see this tight end we got that was on scout team last year. I mean, he catches everything. So I, I really made it a point to watch him in, in practice in August. And what impressed me more was at the end of drills, they'd run sprints and he won every sprint. Not because he was the fastest guy. I mean, he had plenty of speed, but he just ran hard every time. And it wasn't that phony hustle type stuff. It was just that's how that's the speed at which he operated. He had only one way to go. And I think that's what made him a great player because he made himself a great player. I mean, he also had a very great redshirt senior year, especially with the four touchdowns against the Jacksonville Dolphins. I mean, tremendous player. And I think he'll do some great things with New Orleans. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they are getting, you know, I I did an interview with a New Orleans radio station um, last uh, over the weekend. And a guy said, do you think that they'll use him as a a receiver or just a blocker? I said, well, if they don't throw him the ball, they're crazy, (laughs) you know, because he's going to catch it. He's going to make plays. I mean, that is a very talented offensive scheme that Drew Brees and the Saints have, but yeah, if Troutman doesn't get his fair shake on things, and I don't know what Sean Payton's thinking down there, but yeah, how special is it, since Dayton football is non-scholarship, how special is it to have Troutman go in the third round? Well, I, I think it's a, you know, I think it's a validation um, what it is, is it's, it's a validation for the program and, and for the league, for the PFL, you know, it, it's it's a way of saying, you know, hey, you don't, you know, you can, you know, you can play at the next level here. You know, you can do that. There, there's, you know, there is a path to the NFL um, through the PFL through a program like the University of Dayton. Now, granted, most most guys are not. Most guys are not. Uh, the guys that are going to be drafted are going to be episodic. But it's not out of the question. Let's talk about the 2019 Flyer football season. What was your take on it? Well, they could score points. Just couldn't stop anyone. Um, you know, just in, and I think that that's kind of a... Uh, in, that, that's the nature of the game these days um offenses are just so uh far ahead of defenses with the spread and everything that it really is hard to um you know (laughs) to to slow someone down (laughs) and then you know then you get you know you you have weapons out there that uh you know if you got if you got an adam trauman you know look what look what the flyers were able to do uh with that type of uh with that type of arsenal but Defensively, they struggled. They they really did. They, you know, they led the nation in scoring. You know, they led the nation in scoring, but but um, you know, uh, could not you know could not stop people, and that's uh, what ultimately uh, cost them a chance of uh, having a PFL championship and, and getting a playoff berth. 
just to think, you lead the nation in offense. If you can stop more, I mean, that that could be a really good season for UD. Yeah, I mean, and it, it was, uh, I mean, that was tough. That was really, really tough that, um, you know, to, you know, and, and it was never one thing. Sometimes it would be, you know, just not, you know, they would give up too many big plays. Sometimes they'd have a bad tackling game. Um, a lot of times they just had guys just blow assignments that just absolutely, you know, weren't where they were supposed to be. And granted, it, it was a it was a young team, and so that you know that that can that can account for some of it. You know that you know they weren't real um, experienced as far as you know. Uh, playing a lot of a lot of college football yet, but at the same time, you know, at some point in time, you got to get it done. Now, you started calling football a couple years after your first year of men's basketball, but still a lot of great football throughout, great history. And oh yeah, I believe Mike Kelly was head coach back then. Yeah, yeah. I uh, my first football season was 1988, so uh, this this just wrapped up my 32nd. And, um, you know, there again, I, I, my, my timing is, is, is really good. My second year of football, I only won a national championship, a uh, division three national championship, go down to, uh, Phoenix City, Alabama and beat union in the stag bowl. And then, uh, you know, some, some great moments, um, after leaving division three and going to FCS and being in the PFL, um, yeah, there, there, there's some games that I can recall. I mean, uh, there was a game in 1996 out in San Diego, season finale to wrap up year 11-0. And, and I still, to this day, that, that still may be the best football game I've ever seen. I mean, it was. I think there was probably five scoring plays between the two teams of over 50 yards. And and these weren't so much blown assignment uh, plays as much as just guys making unbelievable plays on, on both sides of the ball. And um, you know it, it went down to the wire, and and uh, it, it was just a, a great, uh, great end to that season to finish up eleven and zero. I mentioned uh, Mike Kelly. Now he's your color commentator. Since your time at UD, you've worked with some knowledgeable broadcasters. Uh, who's been some of your favorites and some of your favorite moments with them? Well, I mean, I think everyone brought something different to the table. You know, the different guys. Uh, um, you know, uh, Lieutenant Governor John Husted worked several years for me. In fact, I mentioned that San Diego game. You know, he was alongside for that one uh, in 1996. And uh, Jeff Miller, another uh, a former uh, flyer, um, was was alongside me for several years. And and uh, you know, everyone brings something different to the table. And uh, you know, the thing is with with Mike Kelly, I, I knew he was going to be extremely prepared extremely prepared and um i i just you know but what i was not prepared for was i mean this this uh, animated excited hot diggity dog guy in, in the booth i i just never saw that coming never saw that coming and uh it's it's been really enjoyable to see uh that aspect of him come out it's two different personalities because when he's uh, working other sports at UD, he's just calm, cool, collected. But when you hear him on radio, it's 
like you mentioned, just so animated, but very knowledgeable. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there's you know, um, you know, there's nothing lost in the translation, certainly. And for men's basketball, you had Bucky Bockhorn for the longest time. Which, by the way, is Bucky okay? Yeah, yeah. He's he's good. Um, he's he's already talking about next year. That's you know, he just uh, had that back issue uh, during the season that really uh, kind of threw him for a loop. That's good. I, I, I missed him throughout the year, but I think the people that filled in for him did a really nice job, like Brooks Hall. He was the one that I got to listen to the most. And I think he does a nice job. Yeah, I mean, and there again, I, I, I really enjoyed having the variety because I think that that, um, that is of benefit to the fans that they get um, you know, varied, um, you know, perspectives, you know, uh, Brooks has that player's perspective, um, and is, is, is really thinks like a player. Um, Keith has a player's perspective, but kind of more of an arm's distance, you know, having spent a lot of time overseas playing and knowing what it takes to play at the next level, you know, he's, he's able to not so much, uh, identify directly with the players. I mean, he's been there, done that, but I think, you know, he's got a, a you know, a different, a different vantage point. And then uh, Josh Pastorino not only played a date, but the you know, he also coached and, and, and he really brings that coach's perspective. So I think it's a, I think it's a good thing for good thing for the listeners to, to have them all. There's a lot of coaches and former players on there giving their, you know, their view and it really does add to it. It's something that, you know, you might not look at or hear, but it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're blessed. I think we're we're blessed to have that and um really, really glad that each each guy is able to uh to to contribute. Now for football, the Flyers are in the Pioneer Football League and men's basketball and almost every other sport, the Atlantic Ten. What's some of your favorite trips and least favorite trips? you've gotten to have over your career well you know it, it's you know we always joke about going to st bonaventure and, and the bad part about that is is getting there um and at one point in time the, the facilities you know the accommodations like we stayed at this old motel i can remember one of the first trips ever there and to wake up in the morning and, and to find a, an inch of snow in your room um <laughs> Was, was you know to have to walk barefoot through snow to get to your bathroom was a little uh, um, uh, put you know, that put things off a little bit, but then once you get to the game itself, I mean, um, the O'Reilly Center they sent the St. Bonaventure is a great game venue. Well, that's that's super. Now you can go to Philadelphia and have a, you know amazing meals and all that kind of stuff, but then you go to the Tom Gola Arena uh, Tire uh, Center and Hair Care Salon and and you know you're like is this real is this really a college basketball venue um you know i so i i, I tend to lead towards uh, i guess for everything involved game day atmosphere um easy place to work i mean you don't have any technical issues or or people that are you know being a pain um i i say the best is st louis because i mean it's a it's an easy trip to get there there's couple restaurants that uh, we've frequented through the years where they know us and then um you know they've they've got maybe the second best arena in the league and good people and it's uh you know it's a great atmosphere i mean 
you know, they don't like Dayton and, but that's what you want. I mean, you want to go someplace where, you know, where you feel like you're playing, you're part of something that matters. And, and that's really what it all boils down to is you want to, you know, whether you're a player or a coach or, or a broadcaster, you want to feel like what you're doing actually matters. And for football, I, you got some pretty close opponents, Indianapolis, uh, Valparaiso, Indiana is not too far. And then randomly San Diego, California. I mean, those got to be some big trips in the pioneer. Yeah. I mean, and that's, uh, you know, obviously that's, that's a great opportunity and it's a, a recruiting tool, um, that, you know, I think the coaches use well because, you know, it, it really is, uh, a difference between you can be a preferred walk on in the Mac or you can come play, uh, at Dayton, you can ride buses to Muncie, Indiana and Ypsilanti, Michigan and in Akron, Ohio, or, you know, you can, you can go to San Diego, um, Florida, uh, Charleston, uh, North Carolina, or Poughkeepsie, New York, and you know, it's and and and, and I talk to the guys, and it's it's something that, yeah, it, it matters to them. What's your thoughts about Jacksonville closing down their football program? Um, I was shocked, um, but then again, they've you know, I, in some ways they've not been a great league member from the word go from an institutional standpoint, they're just not, you know, the snapshot of the institution doesn't look like a, a, a pioneer football league team. So maybe, maybe, you know, maybe it, it does make sense. Um, but you know, I, I, nevertheless, I still was surprised because it looked like they were trying to take things in a different direction and one that would have been a little bit more in line with the uh, PFL standards, if you will. I listen to the games and I always hear that Jacksonville is well coached and well disciplined. And when I saw the news, it's like, wow, that's that's a little bit sad. Yeah, because like I say, they 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 had been kind of a renegade program for a while, but they had, I thought, you know, moved it in the right direction. They were, you know, doing the right things. Now, outside UD and WHIO, what else have you done in your broadcasting career? Well, um, outside of WHIO, um, you know, which which I host the morning show and have for since two thousand three, and had, had done a lot of other things before that. Um, I, I did some stuff for the Dayton Dragons early on uh, on, on their on their cable broadcasts on what is now Spectrum, but was I think Time Warner at the time. So yeah, I've, I've I've just done those types of things, uh, um, yeah. Just, but primarily it's been uh, you know and it is good because I you know I think it's fun to do baseball to say yeah I got the chance to do some baseball once, and, you know never done hockey I've never done hockey I've done a lot of other sports through the years, including soccer and volleyball but never done hockey. Hockey is a blast. It's one of my favorite sports to broadcast, and I remember couple seasons ago you got to broadcast the UD baseball game and that leads me to my next question have you broadcasted any other sports for UD outside men's basketball or football um yeah I did but I just did a few baseball games um did a uh did some men's women's soccer uh, again for the cable broadcast back in this would have been oh gosh uh 96 yeah it would have been um 
leading into the 96, yeah, it would have been in the fall of 96, um, um, I did the A-10 um, soccer um, tournament that was at Bojan Field. And I did that, and it was on the local cable here, but it was also on uh, Madison Square Garden Network, Yes New York, uh, New England Sports Network, Comcast Philadelphia, and so that was kind of cool. And, and and I just I just wrote Bill Glisson, who was a women's uh, coach at UD for many years. He was the color guy, and I I wrote him. He, I mean, he carried me so much. I think he knew my weight down to the ounce by the end of that tournament. <laughs> and for baseball, I mean, Jason King in his third year at the helm. I mean, Flyer baseball is looking dangerous. Well, I mean, it's you know, and and there, that that that's a that's a tough battle. I don't think I don't think fans realize how how hard it is. Uh, in college baseball, if you are not in a Sun Belt area, or in the Southwest, or, or, you know, I mean, just just because of the the nature of the season and not being able to get outdoors, and um, and then you know it, it that then in turn it uh, it affects your recruiting footprint, where you know you're, you're not able to you know be able to go out and evaluate and look at talent that's being able to play almost all year round so i i I tip my hat to the successes of teams above the mason dixon line uh when they have success not just within their leagues but you know a success that can translate to making a an impact nationally i i tip my hat to them it's not easy especially you know since winter likes to stay until about mid-april most seasons yeah but Luckily, I was able to catch three games, and that Flyer team looked really, really good. It was just a shame that that was it. Bam. Just the one home series against Northern Kentucky, and that's all she wrote for baseball. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the coronavirus, because that is an important issue affecting us worldwide. How has it affected you and your jobs? Well, um, obviously, it, uh, you know, I had planned on being, you know, I told people, I said, uh, you know, I can't make any commitments to any outside uh, events or what have you until uh, after uh, the 1st of April because I plan on being busy with the NCAA tournament. Well, (laughs) I didn't have that. But then again, there wasn't anything else uh, uh, to commit to anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it for me, it's just it, it's it it was going from sixty to zero. Um, there was no uh, easing, tapping the brakes. It was just uh, a skid start, a skid stop, and it's just been like that since. So, um, obviously, in you know being a part of a news program each day, you know, um, like everyone else, I want distractions from this because now I you know. I can't shut it off, folks. I can't just say, well, you know what, I'm just going to ignore the whole thing and not think about it and and not uh, and not read about it and not study it. I, I can't do that. It's it's my job to, to immerse myself in it. And um, to be honest with you, though, it gets to you sometimes. It really does. I mean, your job is to inform the people what's happening, and it's there's not been a lot or any good news to come with this. 
Yeah. Yet. 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 Yeah. There, there, there will be a, there will be an all clear someday. Here's hoping it's soon, but it wiped out the Atlantic 10 tournament completely. The women's tournament did get completed, which was nice. And it was nice to see the Flyers women's basketball team lift up the trophy on their home court. So that was really cool. Yeah. So, I mean, and so that, and then like I mentioned, the fact that the celebration for the uh, men's home finale uh, did offer some sort of a, a closure and a celebration of a championship feel. Larry, what are some of your favorite things about the local sports scene here in Dayton? Well, I, I think what I, what I like about it is that, um, you know, it, it, we really, Dayton is autonomous. Uh, it is autonomous. Uh, now are there, are there Reds fans and Bengals fans in the Dayton area? Yes. Uh, and then there are, uh, to a large degree, large amount of Browns fans, and to a smaller degree, some Indians fans. But um, you know, we're not Cincinnati North. Um, this is a very uh, autonomous um, and in a very uh, uh, parochial area, and I love that about it. In that, um, you know, Friday nights, you know, we're at high school football stadium. You know that's that's what we do here, and uh, I love that the fact that um, local sports have as high a profile um, as, as anything that would be happening at the at the collegiate level and at the professional level nationally. I mean, you go to some, you know, I, I can remember going to Philadelphia and getting my haircut during the A10 tournament. I'm in a barber shop and getting my haircut. And the guy says, where are you from? Dayton, Ohio. We'll bring you here. We were for the Atlantic 10 uh, tournament. He goes, what's that? Mm-hmm. What's that? Well, it's a, you know, the Leeds and Dayton's in, along with LaSalle, St. Joe's. Really? Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, most of the metropolitan areas are so consumed with professional sports that, uh, you know, like anything taking place collegiately or locally, they just don't, you know, it doesn't resonate. There's a lot of everything around here. I mean, like you mentioned, high school football, that's Fridays. Then you got college football Saturdays and, you know, pro football the next day. There's a little bit of everything for everyone here in sports well, scene. Yeah. Well, in 2004, um, there was a, 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 a game in February Dayton played St. Joe's, hosted St. Joe's, and um, had a horrible snowstorm that weekend. The Dayton Mall was shut down. The mall was closed. Uh, Flyers had a sellout crowd that Saturday night, be St. Joe's. You know, the next day, everything is still shut down, completely snowbound, okay? Churches are closed. The... uh, Alter is playing Akron St. Vincent St. Mary with LeBron James and CJ is going to play I believe uh, Cincinnati Princeton in a doubleheader at uh, at the arena well uh, Princeton says they can't make it up it's too snowy Akron St. Vincent St. Mary's they make it and so it was Alter against uh, LeBron his high school team and again a sellout crowd and not just sold out, tickets sold. I mean, butts in the seat, sold out. 
on back-to-back nights when the area is supposedly completely shut down by snow. So that told me a lot about Dayton fans right there. I mean, that's something that I always, you know, tip my hat to UD fans. They are probably some of the most loyal that you can meet. It's it's fantastic. And when the malls and churches close, you think everything's closed, but nope, it's still basketball time. Get get there. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to take a lot more than just uh, you now. The only thing that can keep, obviously, the only thing that can keep Flyer fans away is. Uh, uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's 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 still such a shame, and it's the first tournament since what the thirties or something like that. With, it hasn't been played. Yeah, it's yeah, not good. We mentioned a lot of great things about the Dayton sports scene, but in your eyes, what would you like to see more out of Dayton sports and Dayton sports media or Dayton media in general? Um. No, I, you know, I, I think um, I think just just to keep the focus uh, where it needs to be, and that is um, the focus on what is happening that is not going to get the attention of ESPN. Um, you know, that and that is you know what, what's happening with local athletes, local teams, um, the the you know the local stories about you know the people uh, who are involved. I mean, you know, news organizations are quick to say well you know we don't need to be doing any sports because sports fans can get all of that off of espn well they can national stuff but that's not the you know but that should not be the focus you know um we don't need to you know if i want to know about the nfl draft i'm probably not going to watch a local tv station if i want to know about adam troutman's status i will uh, and so that you know that's the difference and so um, yeah keep the focus local for those that are interested in joining the field is broadcasting what advice and tips can you give well develop a brand uh, develop a brand no one is going to um, you know no one's going to give you job security no one is going to give you anything um, your your value to an employer or as a self-employed uh, freelancer, if you will, is is that you've got to have a brand. You know, you so so focus on what is it you do that's unique. What is it that you do that makes you um, someone that people want to pay attention to to give up something that's very valuable and that is their time and you know focus on that really kind of hone your brand okay what is it that i do it could be that you just do everything you're a jack of all trades there's something to be said for that it could be that you know what i am the best uh, bmx bicycle broadcaster in the nation you know and, and focus on that you know and have your niche but you, you got to have a brand you have to have a brand uh, so that both an employer knows who you are and a listener, viewer, reader is going to know who you are. I like that advice about you know building the brand, being professional with it too. I like that piece of advice. Larry, how can people follow your work on social media? Um, I'm at, at Larry Hansgen on Twitter. Uh, Larry Hansgen, W-H-I-O on Facebook. And... Um, 
you know, and then the old-fashioned way, 1290 AM and 95.7 FM. They can hear you on the radio waves. Larry, thank you so much for your time today. It's It's been a real honor having you aboard. Uh, any closing thoughts to wrap up this episode? Um, just that there are brighter days ahead for all of us. I like that closing thought. That's Larry Hanskin, and this is episode 144 of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. Talk to you again for episode 145. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast with Lee W. Mowen. To subscribe to the podcast, please visit the leewmowen.com slash podcast. From there, you can choose your favorite platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, and many more. Interact with the podcast and host on Twitter at the Lee W. Mallon and at Sunday Pod. Like the Facebook page, the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast, and download the free Flick Chat app, then search for the local Sunday sports group to submit your future Mowen's mailbag questions. The closing theme is Lights Go Down by Dan Hennig, provided by the YouTube Music Library Collection. This is Lee W. Mowen, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please join me again next week on the Cincinnati and Dayton Sports Podcast. <laughs>